Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner. Good to have you with us here on The Mark Steiner Show and your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. On our way to our conversation here, I want to remind you The Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's credit union. Offering a full range of financial services, MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. And remember, it's a credit union, not just bank. belongs to you. Money comes back in the end. More information at www.mecu.com or standardshow.org is MeCU, Baltimore Credit Union's banner. So we are going to tackle what's happening with Baltimore County schools and maybe schools in general in a moment uh, in this next hour. Uh, We are here with Cheryl Bost, who is vice president of the Maryland State Education Association and former president of the Teachers Association of Baltimore County that represents public school teachers there. Cheryl, good to have you in the studio. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dr. Ronnie Ellington's in the house once again. Ronnie Ellington, of course, is Associate Professor of Mathematics Education here at Morgan State University and been an educational advocate and activist for a good most of her life. Good to have you in the studio, Ronnie. Yes. Thank you. And Luke Broadwater, who covers all this stuff for us in the Baltimore Sun, where he covers Baltimore City Hall and local politics in general. Good to have you in the house. Good morning. Good morning. And 410-319-8888 is the number here to join us. Uh, you can also send us an email to talk at steinershow.org. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner, but do join in at 410-319-8888. So let me begin here. I said this at the end of the last hour, and some people, when I said it to them, got very upset that this is how I would start the conversation, but I'll start it here anyway. So Dr. Dallas Dance, um, who was the head of our county school system here for five years now, Came in, I remember when I first interviewed him, I mean, really young, uh, you know, really young, uh, and, which was, you know, some people didn't like, but I, it was kind of refreshing in some ways that we only spent two years in the classroom. He had some ideas and thoughts about where to go. Um, and I always remind people, I said, you know, when you think of some of our greatest political leaders like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, they were both in their 20s when they began as well. So having said that, he came in and got... Some people were really annoyed as soon as he walked through the door mm-hmm. because of things that he was going to put in. One of those things that uh, people oppose now are the, the, the giving every child a laptop computer, um, and which we can talk about in a minute what that, what that would mean. But there are many things he did in terms of curriculum changes, and he made some, I think, mishaps along the way that way as well. Having said that, what I found really interesting was we had this debate on the program a little bit ago around what happened with the racial integration of Catonsville schools, uh, the building of this new school, and parents being very upset that it was, was, you know, nobody said, I'm upset because black kids come to school. They used other words instead, uh, you know, it, that we'd be the dumbing down of our children because these kids aren't at the same level as our children are, and things like that that you heard from people. So Dallas Dance really pushed this. Dallas Dance also had a tenure that was really remarkable in that the graduation rate of black and students and children of color matched the white rate of graduation, which is unheard of in most school systems. And he supported the integration and racial equity in schools. And then all of a sudden he resigned. So, and nobody is writing about this in terms of a connection. Are we saying there's no connection here between that and this? And why he all of a sudden abruptly resigned? I mean, people resigned. I mean, Alonzo resigned, but gave a little notice. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever you think about Alonzo is, is something different. I mean, when, when, when Andres Alonzo left, he said, I'm not coming back. I'm going. You better go find somebody new. Um, but Dr. Dance just said, bye. So what are we not seeing here? What's happening beneath the headlines. I think you summed it up. <laughs> Do we, well, you don't well, know. Do well, we shut down the show and the play <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, we don't have much to say. Well, well one thing that, that causes this sense of mystery, I guess you could say, is that he hasn't really done any in-depth interviews explaining his thought process. Um, so he gave a few brief comments at a school board meeting, cited sort of family issues. Um, but... Um, if there is something behind the scenes, if he is saying, you know what, the the the, the racial animosity I felt in the county um, uh, influenced my decision or something like that, he hasn't said that himself. So it, it is a big question. You have a very high-paying job there. I mean, it's almost $300,000 in salary plus lots of benefits and perks. You've got a driver and a week, uh, monthly car allowance and all sorts of things. Um, 
and and he's a young guy. Um, so that's a, a very attractive job. Why would someone walk away in the middle of their term? That's that's why I think a lot of people are, have questions, because I think a lot of people in education would be uh, uh, fighting each other to try to get that job. I mean, he because he's just signed a contract for four more years. He just signed a contract. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of questions as to the why and the why now it was surprising, especially to the many educators. I know my phone was blowing up from educators, but I don't I don't know the why. I am concerned about the future of Baltimore County Public Schools, though, because we're at a time where we're going to now have instability, which we've had a long history of superintendents who've stayed multiple terms, and we're at a time where we're going to have an elected school board, mostly, and we're going to have a new so county executive. So half and half is going to be elected? Is that yeah, what it is? I think it's a little bit more than half that's elected by district, and then we're going to have a new county executive, possibly some new council folks. So it's a, a time of change. And as you mentioned, Dr. Dance did a lot to promote equity and and really got to know the kids and the students. I, I was ha- fortunate to talk to about 25 to 30 teachers this weekend, knowing that I was going to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. And the positive is the vision, the energy, the getting to know everyone and, and taking on some of those tough challenges. The, the major downside was implementation and making sure that teachers and educators were at the table when the computer rollout happened, when the grading policy changed. So that that was the downside. But I also know there have been some gubernatorial appointments to the Board of Education currently that have not let one thing go untouched. And when you're constantly being questioned about those one or two Mm -hmm. things and never being satisfied with the answer that you get, that's taxing. Um, when you know that there's a lot of good that is happening. Yeah, one of the silliest controversies of the past year or so was the uh, he he retweeted something on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah was, and was, um, there was backlash, and all he said was something like, <laughs> if I recall, let's uh, make sure we're we're nice to the kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so something like they asked for his resignation. Yeah, but because he didn't yeah. mention white kids <laughs> right, in, yeah. in it. Yeah, so um, there was. And I think was one of the school board members involved in that um, mm-hmm. backlash. Yes. So clearly there was some tension here with some of these gubernatorial appointments on the school board against the CEO. Um, still, um, you know, like I said, if the, if you are committed to that job for that salary, um, you know, you're going to have some board members that you disagree with or who maybe annoy or nag you. Um, you know, is that is that enough reason to step down or is there something – Something more here, maybe more serious that we're, uh, well, or maybe he has another. I think he might have well, another big job all, offer or something. Go ahead. Can yeah. you hear me? Okay. You so can, first, your little dial is right there, below, too, right there in front of you. A little button that. you can oh. turn that up. If you, okay. Yeah. So you keep talking about okay, he has a high powered job, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, I know firsthand people talking about how he was nitpicked. No amount of money, you know is going to compensate you for feeling like you've earned the right to exist and be there and do what you're there to do and to constantly be nitpicked. I don't think the money is the issue. First of all, I know he was in demand. There are other school districts that will pick him up without mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. So let's be clear. Yeah. So he's not, you know, he had a lot of money. And, and we have to think about it. I'll tell you what the tweet is because I was looking at this this morning. He tweeted, educators, tomorrow please show your Muslim, black, Latino, Jewish, disabled, or non-white students that you love them and will protect them. That caused backlash. Now think about you suing something as innocent as this, and now you're in a backlash, take his job. That tells you that under the surface, this commitment to equity and this commitment that he brought, was, which was critical to his vision, was being undermined somewhere. So if you are brought in, by exception, mind you, because he didn't have the three years, et cetera, so you're brought in with this vision, and then you tweet something consistent with the vision and you get backlash, come on. Yeah. It's more going on than just... Okay, he made a whole lot of money. You just have to deal with people's BS, if you will. Right. It's about undermining the very thing he stands for. And people like him, they don't have to take that. That's, they just yeah. don't. Right. I mean, he's a qualified brother. He's on the rise. He's in demand. From what I hear, he had other options before he came to Baltimore County. So you, you've given him money. Somebody else can give him money and then align with his vision. So even though on the surface, I think there was some agreement around his initiatives, I'm telling you what I know. If a brother is really committed to equity and they're constantly undermined, that's enough to say I'm out. Mm-hmm. And equity. That's enough. Right. And equity was one of the one of the things <laughs> he was passionate about pushing right. in the school system. It and, wasn't and a I, sidebar peripheral like with most superintendents. It's it's 
is equity, but like, okay, well, we're going to do some equity if we don't up- upset the apple cart. He was willing to upset the apple cart for equity. And I talked to some minority teachers, and they, they've noticed a, a better awareness, a better understanding for the most part. But I will tell you, I've also talked to some Caucasian teachers who eh, didn't really want that training and cultural competency. So that it was a tough uh, situation to bring in. And you started off with how young he was. I, I really don't care how old or how young somebody is, as long as they have the vision, the energy, and go for it. So from day one, he was fighting people who didn't want him there because of his age. Right. And then right, you right, go right. to color and you go to vision. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot that's to... A, that's a tough... That's tough. Now, I'm not saying everything he did was perfect. I wouldn't say that. And our teachers would crucify me for saying that. But you can't be under the microscope for that long and say, yeah, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my career. Yeah. And I think we saw some of this tension, especially arise when when these new appointees got on the board, um, because I think it was was it Ann Miller who uh, made an issue over this tweet, and that's a Hogan appointee. So maybe when he was brought in by one board uh, who maybe shared uh, some, some of his vision, and now we have a turnover in the governor's office and new appointees are coming in, um, now we're seeing some of this arise. And you're right, I think, I think we'll probably see some other shoe drops soon about where he's going to end up. So oh, I don't, yeah, he's not yeah. going to be on un- Don't get it twisted. He's right. He's gonna he's gonna stay jump on his feet. He's gonna land <laughs> on his feet. Trust me. And, and as you said, he'll be fine. Yeah. But we still have these appointments, and mm-hmm. they have Facebook pages against him and against certain issues. And and really, the next person coming in has to bring everybody together. And I feel not go backwards. Mm-hmm. Do we have to do a much better job of implementation? Do we have to reexamine the one child to one computer? Yes, because we have increased class sizes. We do have discipline issues. We do have to do restorative practices. So the next person coming in has a lot to pull together, but they still have that same board with some of those members that are going to, as you phrased it, nitpick everything that they're going Mm -hmm. to do. And when you have quality people, and this is a thing we have to think about across schools, school districts, when you have people who really are visionaries, you cannot nitpick a visionary. What makes them attractive is the vision. And visions don't have a blueprint all the time. It's going to be A, B, C, and D. If you're Mm -hmm. doing the same old thing, of course you have a blueprint because you can just do what you've been doing. So you start to nitpick at people who actually have options and who can move. You're not people not going to stay how much, you know, they brought Mm -hmm. up the amount that they paid him. So, I mean. (laughs) And and, and going back to what you just said here, we're going to go open the phones here. And and, and folks, do join us at 410-319-8888. I want to hear from all of you out there. You're going to test in Baltimore County, but perhaps you have teach there and you're on break. Perhaps you are uh, a parent. Uh, a student at home today, for whatever reason. We want to hear your thoughts at 410-319-8888. And just to, to flesh out a bit here, I looked it up just to be able to, because I remember this when it happened. So Ann Miller, who we just talked about, was the one person who voted against his his contract being renewed uh, for county schools. And I tell me, I forgot about that. The tweet that you read, educators, tomorrow, please show your Muslim, black, Latino, Jewish, disabled, and just non-white students that you love them and will protect them was actually a retweet <laughs> from Dr. Yeah. Joshua Starr, who runs the Montgomery County School System. <laughs> who used to. Right. For <laughs> yeah. years, right. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and so, uh, and then she wrote him a note. <laughs> I saw. Dr. Dance, it has been four days that your controversial retweet has been up, which many find to be offensive and inappropriate. It has caused division and incited fear. Please remove it and make it a public apology to our students, staff, and parents, which should include assurance that our system will not be used as a conduit for schoolhouse activism and will be inclusive of all of our students and staff regardless of their demographics. And he wrote back to her, Please know that, as with several of your emails to me, I find this email disrespectful exactly. and it's offensive. Completely disrespectful. But this has been your demeanor toward me since before <laughs> oh, you yeah. ever he had an apologetic brother Ooh. to meet to meet mm. me. So I don't know why he I would expect away. anything different. At any rate, under no circumstance will I remove the tweet. Are you uh, are are you going to post this email? Please know you have my permission to do so. Enjoy your weekend, and I will be responding to any additional emails on this topic. Oh yeah, he did. Oh, I didn't see the response. So that I just wanted to flush oh, that yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay. think about how, um, <laughs> if this is the biggest controversy, right? 
that that people can come up with about Dallas Dance that he retweeted a very positive message. <laughs> like no, what it is? What is? Obviously, to some people, it yeah. wasn't positive. So that's what I'm saying. When you're an unapologetic brother who is who's putting that vision forefront. See, there are people who are for equity, but they're not willing to put their behinds on the line for it. Don't you think that there's some underswell that's happening that you may not know about? You think people really and, you know, Baltimore County is a very complex county. You have it's very segregated in certain mm-hmm. kinds of ways. You know, it's a lot of counties that's predominantly white and black. But you think about it. If he's going to tweet her back and say pretty much. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, do you think he? somebody's not saying, oh, really? And they're undermining him because of just personal differences around this? And I think the articles recently that Liz Bowie and Erica Green did about the diversity. Are, yeah. There yeah. is a contention between yeah. diversity and equity. Exactly. So you can be a minority, but don't help make equity. We want your face, <laughs> your your tokenism, so to speak. But don't push the issue of true equity. And we saw that come out in some of those pieces where, okay, we have students of all colors, but very few of them are in AP. Right. We have students of all colors, but very few of them are, you know, of the graduation. So you look at the, the accomplishments that he made and you look at this silliness. And how are students supposed to feel safe when a school board member is willing to come out and, and say these things? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And him saying no. That was to me. I'll go ahead because I didn't realize he made that statement. And, oh, and yeah. His I days look it back up. And the great achievement, I think, that uh, Dallas Dance can stand by from his tenure is is what you said, which was the uh, identical graduation rates mm-hmm. between black and white students, which we don't see in other counties. I mean, what, in those articles, when they looked at Howard County, you saw three or four times the amount of white students in AP classes and um, – mm-hmm. And uh, the advanced classes. So um, he he was very focused on that. I don't know how much he pushed, frankly, in Cadenceville to um, to integrate that. He seemed to let the system play itself out there. Um, but I know that he would have liked to see more integration among the schools. Um, yeah, Baltimore County is unique because mm-hmm. you have it's a majority white county, but it's a majority minority school system. Mm-hmm. So, and the last two superintendents have been black. So who, who's going to be this next choice? We'll see what this board does. Well, it also, I think, let's go to the phones here, but I think the part of that also is, is this, this is part of an ideological war that is yes. taking place between Annapolis and local school systems. Um, and you, you know, have a philosophy here of more privatization um, in our in our school system, that's t- from the top, and the people being appointed are, are are there, and that usually also goes along with kind of a disdain for black leadership. Which, <laughs> we didn't, you, why you go there? I wasn't even going to go there. <laughs> but <laughs> I really wasn't going to go there anyway. But, but, but when you look at their, <laughs> you went there. I didn't do it. But when you look at their agenda, it is it is to more segregation, to permit more segregation with uh, for-profit charters, mm-hmm. for vouchers, for all those things. It is to segregate mm-hmm. even more the schools that we have. I mean, if you sit at the state board meetings, the undertones are we would love to take over Baltimore City like New Orleans was taken over and we're just going to proliferate charters and they're not going to be under our charter law. And it is against minorities and it's against impoverished populations. When you look at Baltimore County, the turmoil here, and then you look at Howard County, where the um, school superintendent is being sued by her own board, and she or she's suing, she's suing them. them, so there's this big Baltimore City looks extremely functional. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's always trashing the Baltimore City schools, but we don't see the school board and the superintendent uh, <laughs> suing each other. The silver lining, yeah. <laughs> folks. I want to hear your thoughts at four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Let's go right to the phones here, and let's go to is it Dr. Brian Morrison on the line here, line one. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. And thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Uh, first off, um, I, I'd like to say that I, I'm a retired teacher from Baltimore County Public Schools. I've been in Baltimore County for over 20-some-odd 20, 20 years. And while I was there, I was the president of the Baltimore County Alliance of Black School Educators, a tra- chapter of the National Alliance of Black School Educators. And I, I have to, to chime in in support of Dr. Dance. We first came to the school system. Uh, we we celebrated his arrival. We were very look, very much looking forward to it, and and precisely for for the reasons why 
of what you guys are talking about, the, the push for equity for our students. Uh, uh, several things I'd like to say, probably two or three. The first is that, uh, give you some context of Baltimore County Public Schools and, and the Board of Education and the manner in which they work. Uh, when I came to Baltimore County, I, I started teaching Randallstown High School at a time when Randallstown community was transitioning. And I was brought there to teach, and teach the new course that they, were, they had established in African-American history. Um, and the first day of school, when I came to, to the students actually came, the, the Friday before that, I had decorated my classroom, and I had put a picture of Malcolm X up in the classroom, a picture where he's looking out of the window and he has a, a rifle in his hand. When I got to work, that picture was on my desk, and my department chairman had a note on it saying, see me. That let me know that, that Baltimore County has a, a bureaucracy that lives and, and is organic and seeks to, to survive. And throughout my tenure there, I, I saw that much more clearly um, as, as, as time went on. One of the, the is now for Dr. Dance, as opposed to, in, in difference to Dr. Hairston, Dr. Hairston had the Office of Multicultural Affairs. And under his tenure, the Office of Multicultural Affairs was, was just that. They provided a lot of resources for multiculturalism. And uh, Dr. O'Connor, who was probably the, the best uh, leader of that department, uh, she really pushed for multicultural education. Uh, but there was no, there was no, no, there was there was nothing behind it. There was no policies. There was there was no no real force or executive action to, to implement it or to to make it established. What Dr. Dance did was one thing that that uh, many people don't recognize is that he is, he was able to establish a policy on equity. And not only did he establish the policy on equity, but he changed that Office of Multicultural Affairs to the Office of Equity and Cultural Proficiency. And the assistant that's running it now, Dr. Lisa Williams, has put together a fantastic team and has been working from the top down, starting with the, the, the executive officers in the school system, training them in cultural proficiency and cultural uh, and equity issues, and has been filtering that down through, through the system. And that's a long, hard road, but that's another story. Uh, so Dr. Dance is to be committed in that, that area. The last thing I, I, I'd like to point out, though, is an issue that we've worked on constantly through the Harrison administration, even before him, and now as a, with the Baltimore County Alliance of Black School Educators. And that is equity in terms of, of for educators, particularly African-American educators. A recent article or report that has been released, there's been a lot of talk about in, in terms of teachers, students benefiting from teachers that look like them. That's a really big issue in Baltimore County. For the last, the, the last data that's available from the 2015 school year, out of the over 7,000, almost 8,000 teachers in Baltimore County, there were only 168 African-American men and over 40,000 uh, af 40, African-American students. The likelihood of, of, of a student, as, as an African-American student, to have an African-American male teacher is, is very slim. And the numbers aren't much better. Uh, Dr. Right Marsh, I'm sorry. We, let me get this last point in. Yeah, because we have to take a break here, so I'm going to actually get, really get to it. Sorry. Okay, so just this last point. The, for African-American women, it's, it's not much better. They're only, altogether, there's less than 10% of the teaching force, uh, of that teaching force that are, that are, Afri are African-American combined. So it's about 700 altogether, maybe about 800 African-American 800 altogether, about 700 African-American women. So as far as Dr. Dance, we can, we can, we can guess all, all, our, all we want to, but until he makes a public statement as to why he's leaving, uh, I, I, I would agree with the, senior, the, the sentiment of your guest that uh, it probably has a lot to do with the, the struggles he's been going through to, to make the system a more equitable and just system for, for all students. Well, Dr. Marsh, I really appreciate all the comments you made. I, I let you go on way longer than most... Uh, callers, but that's because you had a lot to say there, and we wanted you to hear what you had to say. And feel free to contact us here at, uh, at SteinerShow.org. We'd like to hear more of your thoughts, maybe get you on here on the show as we look at more at Baltimore County Schools. But like a short break, we're going to come right back, wrestle with what uh, Dr. Morrison has given us to wrestle with, and then go to our next two callers, Velma, uh, who is a parent of a student in, in Baltimore County Schools and Louise. We're going to get to your calls as well. Stay with us. Don't go away. Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner here as we look at the departure of Dr. Dallas Dance, 
from Baltimore County Schools. Uh, before we get back to that and reintroduce our guests, reintroduce our guests. Uh, let me remind you, the Mark Steiner Show, and this is no way in connection to why we're doing this show. Let me say that uh, in full disclosure here. On our way back, reminds you, the Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by the Maryland State Education Association. From limiting over testing to protecting public school funding, you can learn more about the issues facing Maryland students, parents, and schools by visiting the Maryland State Education Association's website at MarylandEducators.org. That's MarylandEducators.org. And having said that, let me introduce our guest. Cheryl Boast is Vice President of the Maryland State Education Association, not why she's here, but because of her role as an educator and as former president of the Teachers Association of Baltimore County. Dr. Ronnie Ellington is Associate Professor of Mathematics Education at Morgan State University. And Luke Broadwater uh, writes for the Baltimore Sun, where he covers Baltimore City Hall and local politics. And you all at 410-319-8888. Write to us here, talk at steinershow.org by email. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. I, want to go, I do want to get to the phones here because, Velma, hold on, you're the next caller up. But let's comment a bit on what Dr. Morris was saying. He said some pretty profound and serious things here about why Dallas Dance might have left, but the importance goes beyond Dallas Dance. The entire kind of uh, um, structure inside right. the school system, the subliminal and overt racism that takes place. Yeah, so, and I think uh, what I wanted to just point to is... This any, is Dr. Ron Ellington, and we'll hey, go over to Cheryl Boast. I, I just want to say this, and it's real brief. People can say they want equity, diversity, inclusion, whatever you want to call it. But when someone makes that central to the work that they do, they're going to get backlash. Now, if it's peripheral, if it's something you do kind of on the side, fine. But when you take a stand and say this is going to matter at the forefront, everyone's fear, particularly those who are threatened by that, come up and say, well, whoa, 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 whoa. I hear what you're saying, but... What about me? And that really, that is what keeps this cycle in place. And so Dallas, by taking that stand, and it seemed to me from what y'all are saying, it wasn't a sidebar stand. It was a serious central component of his superintendency. We can suspect, because I understand historic racism and white supremacy and how people get afraid and then they use buzzwords to back you up. That's what's happening here. Now, whether that was the complete total reason, we don't know because he has chosen not to say. But I can suspect just looking historically, <laughs> looking at, you know, the writing on the wall, that had a lot to do with it. And so, unfortunately, when people make equity issues central, this is what they are subjected to. And that's my concern as a person who's committed to equity and particularly in STEM education, but education in general, if someone takes a stand and make it central, you can be pushed out. That's a bigger issue. And the question is why, if we say that's what we're committed to, and I would assert that we're not, it's something, and then when he started to make some gains and it started to look like, uh oh, there's equity, oh, you got to go, boo. And I'm not saying they said that, but I could hear that in the background. But that's all I have to say on right, that. Right. And your previous caller, right. yeah, talk, I totally agree. Your, your previous caller talked about the, the need for minority educators, and that is a statewide issue that we see in every county. It's not just uh, singular to Baltimore County. But we have a retention problem of teachers overall, 47% leave after three years. And, you know, we are struggling, especially with the working conditions that our teachers are faced with. But as we as we talked at the break, it, this goes down to the root of institutional racism as well. I mean, our organization is taking this on head on, starting with awareness, which is uncomfortable for, <laughs> for, for people. But we're committed to it because as we read books and we, we get out and we talk, it, there are structures in place that do prevent minorities from moving up in whatever field as their their counterparts. And, and it's we, not because of credentialing. No. It's not because of preparation. All these terms that people have thrown out to say that's the reason, that is not the reason. That's all I had to say because that we couch all of that into, oh, they just shouldn't be there. They're, it's going to upset the rigor. No, that's all I have to say to that because that's where they usually put our kids. Oh, you weren't ready. I think that there is. And if you read some of those stories that um, Erica Green and, and Liz mm -hmm. Bowie did. Grace, it was um, a really good series, mm -hmm. by the way. There, um, there is a, a underlining uh, false belief among some educators that there are uh, – genetic differences mm -hmm. to intelligence exactly and that's just been disproven over and over again but people still have this belief i think uh just because of growing up in society it like melts into your skin or something that you think that so they um 
And that's just false. Uh, it's all about it's all about opportunity and uh, achievement is all about uh, making connections with different things you've learned. Right. So the so the more opportunities you have, the more you learn, the smarter you get, the, the better you perform. And it actually has nothing to do at all with um, with what you look like. And also it, with so. my research, I just have to say this. I talk to high achievers. My research is on high achieving students and they experience the exact same thing. So even when you do do well, they see that's my point. You know, I've been through the achievement conversations. I was valedictorian in my class. I was the best of the best. And it didn't matter. That's what I want y'all to understand. You still are confronted with day-to-day search, uh, what do they call it, microaggressions, whatever you want to call it. Even when you're the best student or even teacher, mind you, you are subjected to being undermined simply because of what you look like. And it has nothing to do with how smart you are. It has nothing to do with your your achievement. Imagine that when a student does well, achieves, and still have to deal with that. We don't talk about it, though. We just say, oh, just get prepared. When they are in AP classes, I have a student of mine doing some research around AP classes and progression. They still aren't passing the test or getting as doing as well, even those who are qualified. So let's just deal with the fact that this systemic racism is embedded and it's hard to break. This is a hard nut to it's crack. It's a really hard nut to crack. And I have some stats I'm going to throw at you all to wrestle with around this as well with Baltimore County Schools. But let me open the phones first here. People waiting to join us. 410-319-8888. Velma, you're on the air. Welcome. Yes, hello, Mark. Good morning, Velma. I'm calling as a parent whose who three kids have been through DCPS. And my last daughter graduated uh, two years ago from the IB program. And I will say that I didn't agree necessarily with everything that Dallas Dan said, but I know in the last uh, two years where he has been really trying to not just pull up the students of BCPS, but all the children of BCPS, I can I can see and I've heard parents and PTA people pulling back from what he was trying to do. And I don't know if it's just it was his age, it was his race, but I know he was trying to make all of BCPS a better place and the the kids see him interacting with them, and they know that he's interested in him. I mean, in them as, as students, and not just making the school system look good and making him look good, but for them to succeed. And I just think he he was a good future for BCPS, but and unfortunately, it's a loss for us. Well, I appreciate the call, and I I think that you know I think that he did have a reputation for the the kids really knowing him and liking him and how he related to. Young people and, and to many teachers as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the, the stats at Baltimore County Public Schools, it was interesting. I just looked them up again to make sure. So you have a school system of 102,000 plus students, almost 103,000. Uh, so 41,000 students are African American, 49,000 are, are white, almost 5,000 are Latino, and, and almost 6,300, more than 6,300 are Asian, and about oh, close to 1,000 are Native American kids. So, which I so it's a really mixed demographic, but white students are not in the majority. And when you look at the other stats about where students go to school, so there are 177,000 um, plus people in Baltimore County under the age of 18. So that means that you have probably tens of thousands of young white kids in Baltimore County who don't go to Baltimore County public schools. Just throwing that out in the mix as That's well. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah. we uh, right? <laughs> Maryland and Baltimore in particular has a very large private school network. I mean, it's you go to some uh, cities in the country, you don't see the same number of private schools. I, I swear, there's a private school in every block. <laughs> you know, you go around. So, and I, I, you know, that's those many of them are very old schools, hundreds of years old. Um, so, th- there's a lot of. Um, uh, you know, the system was built this way. We have, you know, and and many of those are considered the best schools, Gilman and and schools like that, where all the kids are going to to uh, prestigious Ivy Leagues and and so forth. So it's very much um, a, a tiered system. So when you have 7,200 teachers with maybe 10 percent of those teachers being teachers of color in the entire system. Right. Yet the majority of children in that system are children of color. It's something that I know Baltimore County, even as a teacher myself, has been working on. But due to barriers, due to salary, due to work, you, you can name everything that you, you want to name. It is still it remains a problem. And I would encourage the next superintendent to continue 
to work on that and work on the equity issue, I I you would. would? <laughs> okay. And for him to end, okay. You're saying they won't last very long? Uh, no, I'm just, uh, good but, luck on that. Yeah, but okay. we can't stop working. <laughs> You're right. But we can't stop working on this. And, <laughs> but I, I do think, um, and I think Dr. Dance tried, but I know there's no million, you know, silver bullet or else I'd be a millionaire doing that. We have to get the communities and the teachers and the other collab groups together to look at all of this. Some things, it's not what you're doing it's how you're doing it and it's where you're coming from right. in the doing of it and right. that's that's my biggest message that if you don't shift how you're where you're coming from so it's one thing to do something different it's another thing for it to be a heartfelt shift that you really believe in and when somebody is willing to stand for it it's one thing for you to say okay I'm gonna throw in this lesson on black people today because we're gonna be equitable you know but when you really are about it and I think that's what for all his bad qualities people may have issues with him because people have issues with everyone it seemed like this was something at his core where he was coming from and that is more scary than just somebody doing something around the edges I think that's the thing that we can acknowledge him for that he really did believe in this and was willing to go to bat for it and I think you also saw I think you saw the intensity Mm -hmm. rise with the new board members coming on the board Mm -hmm. That we're, we're going in an opposite direction, direction. <laughs> right? And right. what direction is that, y'all? I'm not. What are these people interested in? Well, they're, they're, what's their central? Well, they're they're appointed by Larry Hogan. <laughs> they're very much aligned with the governor and the vouchers and the the for profit charters and okay. Yeah. That's so, a, that's an undermining of equity, but okay, got four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty. Your thoughts on all this? And Louise, you're on the air. Welcome. Yes, hello. Um, Good morning, I'm Louise. About um, what what you were talking about with Hogan and the Republican Party and the new board members that have been appointed by Hogan. But um, as as has been discussed, it wasn't just under Hogan. It was under O'Malley, too. The board members were just as racist under uh, under O'Malley's administration and before as they, as they are under um, Hogan. There, I, there's no... My son... Mm. I can't agree I'm with you on that one. one. Oh. They, they had well, their... Let, let oh, sorry. Go, sorry. Go ahead, Louise. No, I, I, was just, I, I, was, I tried to bring this to your attention a while back, um, Mark, because my son, when he was uh, uh, trying to get into one of the magnet schools, they actually changed the rules so he couldn't get in. It was obviously racist. And I was advised by attorneys, you know, not to not to say that it was racist and to use and to use other means I went through the appeal process and how I was treated um, by you know the administrators and the appeal this was under dance and um, and then you know in the state board it was just awful and the only thing that stopped me from suing them in court was that my son said I don't want to be a place where they don't want me and I was like you know that is just you know, that's, I, I agree with that, but it was, it was, uh, you know, Wellwood, Wellwood is a feeder school into the middle school, and all the Wellwood, you know, it was completely biased, completely double standard, a mm-hmm. lot of conflicts of interest, and, um, and to get into the magnet school if you didn't go to Wellwood, and so... I just wanted to put that out there. Dance could have helped my son. He didn't with a flick of his, you know, finger. And so I, I just wanted to put that out there. And, and then just one more thing, if I could, that um, it seems like to me that they won. He left and they won. They, they, they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Louise, so, thanks so much. Cheryl Boast. Yeah, I, I won't speak to the individual uh, issue at Wellwood, but the beginning statement that the appointments now are the same as under Governor O'Malley, I completely disagree with. I mean, I've I've worked, interacted with the boards. Um, now I'm work, working with the state board. The governor has a clear uh, agenda, and that agenda is vouchers, which will take money and our top performing and parent activist students out of our public schools. He has not fully funded our schools. He's funded what he's had to fund by law, nothing more. And it's it's his last charter bill that he put in this session that was killed, thankfully, was to have other authorizers besides, besides local boards. Well, we don't want to look like Michigan and other things that DeVos, the Secretary of Education, has created. So these appointments and the governor's agenda is completely different 
than the previous administration. Any thoughts from the other panelists here? Next caller? Unless you want to, Luke, do you want to jump in? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> if the... You look it, like you did, is why I was asking. Oh, no, I was... If, if um, One thing that the, this... Because I'm, I'm cover Baltimore City, so I always think about Baltimore City. But the um, one thing the mayor's been talking a lot about is some of the budget problems is that we're funding so many charter schools and they're not necessarily hiring teachers uh, that are already within mm-hmm. the pool. Um, so we have some, like, 40 charter schools in in Baltimore. So she wants to talk with uh, the school CEO about how we can um, maybe take a little bit of a different approach. Let us open the phones again at 410-319-8888. A lot of callers getting in. Let's see if we can get in before the end of the hour. And Raquel, you're on the air. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Hi, everybody. Um, Good morning. I have, I have one comment. I think instead of us accepting Dr. Dan's resignation, maybe we all should ask Governor Hogan to resign. How about that? Oh, no. He seems like the biggest problem in the state right now. Well, I think the chances of Governor Hogan resigning are pretty slim since he, I think Democrats can't even figure out how they're going to beat Governor Hogan if they're trying <laughs> to do that in two years. I mean, he's a, it's, 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 he's a very skillful politician. Well, yeah, he's – go ahead, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's the big thing. And so when people think that maybe the off year elections don't matter that much, the governor, you know, we saw very low low turnout um, uh, when Governor Hogan won. Um, But now we see all the impacts of these decisions. Right. So, uh, you know, I think it is important for people to to get educated and make sure they get to the polls um, in in two years. And we'll see who this Democratic primary may be very, uh, very hotly contested. And we'll see who emerges from it, because it could be somebody who's battle tested or it could be somebody who's who's very much weakened. At least four people now who are looking at that. that We know actively looking at that race. I totally agree with you, Luke. But in addition, I think people need to look at education and the rhetoric. You know, when Governor Hogan says, oh, I've fully funded, I put more money in than anyone else. Really? It's only due to inflation and due to increased student enrollment, and you're funding what the law has to mm-hmm. say. Oh, I support public education. No, we have now over $5 million in vouchers being sent out of public education. So people need to really educate themselves as to what he's doing uh, for non-public education versus public education, and that's a constitutional responsibility of this state. Yeah, I think that the governor loves to have it both ways when it comes to the education formula. When it put gives them record statewide spending, he says, look, I funded record statewide spending. When it causes cuts to the city school system, he says, well, it's the formula. That's the legislature. I had nothing to do with that. So, you know, it's, um, you know. That's that's politics. Let me open the phones again at 410-319-8888. Then I have a final question for our panelists before we roll out of here. Uh, we have time for the callers, though. Please do join us. And Melanie, you're on the air. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my son attends middle school in a Baltimore City public school, one of the better schools in the city. He's an honor roll student, and he is constantly being attacked and bullied at his school. So I think that you need to be mindful that some parents will prefer a voucher opportunity to get their children out of Baltimore City Public Schools where they are unsafe um, and where the behavioral issues are interfering with the learning environment. So I understand you wanted to speak to the overall public need for education and funding, but you also have to speak to children of parents who can't afford to pay for private school but need that private school opportunity for their children so that they can be safe. And when they go to school, it's about learning and not about behavioral issues and bullying. Well, I would argue that charter schools don't solve that. I mean, the statistics in in charter schools are not necessarily that they're more behaved and you get all of these things that people think. Now, the the PR campaign may tell you that, but I've been in charter schools that were just as off the hook as regular public schools. So just by saying you have charter school opportunities doesn't address that. It could, depending on the school, but that's the case in public schools as well. Well, I mean, but she's, she and mentioned it, vouchers. Well, well vouchers right. to go so into charter into, schools. Into private schools. The private schools. Into wherever. I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but this, this, this is where the argument around vouchers becomes e- e- emotional and really and more difficult than the, the policy end of it. And I, I've made this argument before. If, if I'm a poor parent, and I'm not saying I'm for vouchers. I'm just throwing out the, the difficulties here, the complexities. If I'm a poor parent. And I have a kid who goes to a public school that, as this young woman just said, where her kid is bullied because he, he's doing well in school and other things are going on. The school's not in control. 
and I want the best for my kid, and I can't afford to write that $30,000 check to get my kid into Gilman or a $10,000 check, $15,000 check to get my kid into a Catholic school. Give me the voucher. Let me put my kid in a Catholic school where I know he's going to be safe or she's going to be safe. I think that's the spirit in which she was saying this. So it's two parts. One, you can't guarantee their child's going to be safe in those other schools, right, I think that, is what you were, you were getting to. But the other thing is all of our schools should be top-notch schools. You can't say I send my child to a better school. They all should be better, and that's when we get back to this election. We have not funded our schools in the state of Maryland according to the Thornton formula that was put in place 10 or so years ago. We have never fully funded and given our schools the resources. We have more students in poverty. We need trauma support counselors. We need lower class sizes. Charter schools and private schools get to pick and choose who they want and then they kick them out if they don't meet their standards. Public schools take everyone and we need to provide the resources that our communities need. I'm a strong supporter supporter of our community schools, put the health resources, put everything at the school. We are talking about concentrated poverty in many parts of our, our, our city and our state, and we're not addressing that. We're funding everybody as if we're probably back in the 50s. So let me get another call in here. We can close our conversation at 410-319-8888. Judith, you're on the air. Welcome. Yes, I'm calling because I'm not a big fan of Dallas Dan. I have been an administrator in the city, Title I schools, and out-of-state Title I schools. I have subbed in the county for seven, eight years now. And what I've seen during his tenure, during Dr. Dance's tenure, is that he um, likes to, he, he enjoyed photo ops in the higher performing schools. Very rarely saw him at schools that were struggling and having trouble. I agree with the previous caller in regard to resources. And I see myself now when I'm in the schools as a babysitter rather than an educator. I understand the turnover because teachers burn out as a result of not having the support and the resources they need. I'm hoping that the incoming superintendent will not focus just on high-performing schools and technology, but rather on the needs of the other schools. That's what I need to say. Thank you, Judith. Any thoughts and comments? Uh, I, I so so so. There are a number of issues here, to, and I wonder what happens in a school like Baltimore County's system if the next person in charge does not focus on things like equity. Where does that take the school system, which is increasingly a deeply racially mixed system, uh, more so than many other school systems in our state? Um, where, does it, where, does it, where, where does that take it? If, in fact, we kind of touched on one of the major underlying factors here that nobody seems to be talking about in a very public way. I think I said they have to move forward and continue it. I think it gets harder and harder in the national political culture that mm -hmm. we're in to do that. And um, we've seen it in Baltimore. We've seen it everywhere where we're becoming very divisive because of the rhetoric coming out of Washington, D.C. and our current president. And at some place, especially in our schools, this has to end, and we have to create a safe and equitable uh, opportunity for all of our students and our families. And I'm hoping that the next superintendent, Baltimore County is at a precipice because we're gonna have a new county executive, we're gonna have partially elected school board, an interim superintendent. That can create a lot of instability and chaos, and I am very, um, dedicated to this system that we need to see it through and continue to move forward we can't go backwards we have about three minutes left so you have well you know in my opinion the people who the, the the children of the people who matter the middle class white students will always be fine see this is the thing we don't like to talk about that they're going to make it regardless they have the systems and the structures and the money and they're generally going to do okay the problem is, are we going to care enough by those who aren't that for, for those kids who don't have those privileges ongoingly? Because I think the system really, if, if you look historically, isn't really committed to equity out equity based outcomes for all. I really don't think we are. I think this is a good idea. I don't think people are trying to be malicious, but people who run things or who empower, they want their kids to be OK. And if you don't have the political power or whatever, your kid might get something, might not. That's been the system forever. So the question is, who's going to get committed? Not just it's a good idea, it would be nice, but really be committed and deal with the heat that that's going to produce. 
Because people are going to feel threatened. People are going to feel like, well, my kid, I don't want them to have a worse education. So we got to deal with that deep belief call, which you just argued, that some people are going to succeed in this system and some people aren't. If too many of the ones that shouldn't succeed, succeed I'm going to have a problem with that because that means there's a threat to my child. And that's what the whole affirmative action conversation was about. That's getting turned around. Soon as equity starts to look like it's happening, the rules change. Yeah, I think if you look, look back on that series we did at The Sun, you'll see that um, we uh, um, the very fear you're talking about is very does exist. And people, they may not say, say this it. out loud, but they think if too many black kids mm-hmm. or too many poor kids come to mm-hmm. my kid's school, he or she's going to get a worse education. Exactly. Yeah, that there's, the teachers are going to be distracted. <laughs> they're not going to be able to. So, um, and what all the data actually show is that that's not true, that – uh, when you have uh, more inclusive schools with greater diversity, everybody benefits. That the test scores do go up for for all of the races. So there's um, and you know, know truth doesn't matter when deeply seated beliefs exist. Truth doesn't matter. You can give them all the evidence. As an educator researcher, we show them the evidence. People know. But those beliefs run the show. And as long as that's what's running the show, and politics is run by people who have beliefs. Yeah, we, we have. We, one thing our education system has not done well in this country is, is actually teach a real r- racial education. Yeah. Everyone believes all sorts of myths and, and false things that they've picked up over the years. Uh, and uh, e- even the idea that there's like a, a, a race of Caucasians, you know what I mean? Like that's right. Yeah. But I don't. That, that's a, a side <laughs> note. But we, yeah, we can. Yeah, we, yeah, but we'll I just, think there should just, be real aid, racial education. Might we'll just cancel yeah. the next show yeah. coming up and we'll talk about that for the next hour. <laughs> that's <laughs> Luke Broadwater, yeah. reporter for the Baltimore Sun, covers the local issues. Luke, always good. Thank you for so much coming in. Thank you. Dr. Ronnie Ellington, Associate Professor of Mathematics Education at Morgan State University. Thank you always Thank for being you. part of the show. It's great to have you with us. Same with you, Cheryl Boggs, who is Vice President of the Maryland State Education Association and former President of the Teachers Association of Baltimore County. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you so much for a great discussion today. And thank you all for calling in and writing in and making the show what it is. Charlie and the others, I'm so sorry I could not get to your calls. It came in a little tad too late to get on the air, but uh, we'll continue these conversations. The Mark Steiner Show is a production of the Center for Emerging Media. Our senior producer is Mark Gunnery. Our producer is Amani Spence. Our research producer is Calvin Perry. Our production assistant is Nadia Ramlagan. Our intern is Morgan Senior Michael Dixon. Our engineer is Andre Melton. Our theme music is by Wal Matthews of Clean Cuts. Send me your thoughts about today's program to talk at steinershow.org the podcast of Mark Steiner Show and share it with your friends visit us on the web at steinershow.org or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app and for your source for cool jazz and more WEAA 88.9 FM the voice of the community I'm Mark Steiner take care